Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Great. So we're going to move on into part three. Did, any, did everyone enjoy last week, by the way? Yeah. Dear goodness. Yes. Is there so, the coffee not strong enough? Um, yeah, it's so good to connect with Ran again and Pastor Joe and his wife, Laurie. Um, loved having those guys here and just hanging out with them and learning off them. And just genuine people. I love connecting with other pastors who are just genuine, love God, love people, and that's it. And so hopefully we'll convince them to come back again at some point. Um, so we've been in, if you haven't been here, my name's Phil, I get to serve as a pastor, and uh, we've been in the middle of a relationship goal series, uh, and that's really where we talk about some real topics, some real things. Actually, a few times in this series, people have told me, I've never heard that before in church. Are you even allowed to talk about that? So I've had to actually bring scriptures out to show them this is actually in the Bible, talking about some of these uh, more sensitive topics, but really important. And so today we're going into part three. And, you know, just thinking about, um, just thinking about, we've obviously people from different scenarios in the room with people who are single, happy single, some people who are not happy single, ready to mingle, got people who are dating, got people who are married. Some happy married, some maybe not so happy, so I'm trying to figure some stuff out. So we've got a full range, and I honestly believe this stuff here, it, it, no matter where you're at, this is valuable. You can text something from it, because it's talking about relationships in general. Uh, you know, life is just relationships, on this earth. It's, our problems come from relationships. Our joy often comes from relationships of some kind. Uh, and the in-between is obviously something to do with relationships. So I, I just pray that you know, the Holy Spirit will use this. God's Word will, will convict us and challenge us. And I was thinking about the word challenge this morning. You know, anytime you've ever grown, made some good changes in your life, it's because something was challenged to change. And the beauty about challenge is when we are challenged to go the right way, it brings freedom, it, it protects our future, it brings us onto the straight path and not off the path where we get into all kinds of trouble. And sometimes that trouble doesn't show its head for years. Come on, some of you realize that as you look back, you're like, man, if I'd only known, if someone had only challenged me in a nice way, so guess what we're here to do this morning is to challenge you and even myself in a nice way to move forward and, and to pay attention to God's ways, uh, his ways of doing things. You know, to, in today's world, most people, there's a high percentage of people that still get married. That's probably changing a lot as people are, are seeing maybe marriages break down. And listen, if you're divorced, if a marriage didn't work out for you, there's no condemnation. This is not to make you feel bad. This is not to give you the guilt trip. That's not where we're going with this. This is about, hey, if, if it ever comes again, that opportunity ever rise again, I want to get it right. Yeah? I want to build a house that isn't on sand, but it's steady. This is to help encourage you if you maybe have some children in your life or some, some younger people that you can encourage them to go the right way. And listen, that takes humility to hold your hands up and say, I got it wrong. 
Or at least I just went with the flow of the culture and it led me down a path that didn't work. And so just I want to set the tone and remind that every, really every time we talk about this, because I think it's so easy for the, for the liar, the father of lies, to come in and, and, and lie to us, make us think that God's um, give up on us or we can never make anything of our life now. Also, if you're married and maybe your, your husband or wife is an unbeliever, the Bible says if you've come to faith or you're in that situation, that you should stay and be a witness to that person by the way that you lead your life. And so there's no get-outs here. I just want to let you know before we start, this isn't like you could twist this just to how you like. Um, this is really important. Um, I just want to say those things. But high percentage of people still get married, still are in long-term relationships, partnerships, whatever people call them today. And the problem with that is sometimes when you speak to some people who have been married and it didn't work out, they would say, I actually seen the red flag when we were dating. I actually seen the, the issues when we were dating. But my, and my mind was saying, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. But my heart was saying, love will make a way where there seems to be no way. And love was causing me just to, to blindside it and just to ignore because I was just hopeful. You know, love, you know, I've seen the movies, seen the Disney movies, it always works out. And so we've got to be careful that we don't fall into that trap. And so today's message is about how do, you, how do you know that you're dating the wrong person? And so the message is called Red Flags When Dating. First verse in Proverbs 27 and 12, it says this. Sensible people. Everyone says sensible people. Okay, I said again like you mean it. Sensible people. Turn to your neighbor and say, be sensible. Okay, we got the point. <laughs> it says, sensible people will see trouble coming and avoid it. But an unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. Seen the red flags, but let's just talk about love. <laughs> Seen potential issues, but love will make a way. And so it's as if the, the, proverb, the writer of Proverbs kind of knows what we're talking about. A sensible person sees trouble coming and avoids it. They're real with it. They face it. They're challenged by it. See, what we're going to talk about might come across quite strong. But I need you to understand the reason it comes across that way is because we're talking from a point of view for someone who is a follower of Christ. We're talking about what Christ would require us to do. So maybe you're not there. Maybe you're on a journey, and this might come across quite harsh, and that's why. Because God's standards are not our, way, our ways or our standards, but they're better. And there's great reward. Can you get an amen? And also why? Because today's norm is divorce. Today's norm is dysfunction. Today's norm is problematic, is confusing. And as a church, we have to get back and remind ourselves of basics, God's ways. Why? For the sake of freedom. So we're going to talk about some signs, some red flags that you're dating the wrong person. You're like, well, I'm not dating anyone. That's okay. You might be, or you might know someone that will be. And so it's important that we can help each other, encourage each other to do things God's way. Can you get an amen? So number one, they're not consistently pursuing Jesus. 
Only because someone is inside a church building does not make them a Christian. Only because you're standing inside a car garage does not make you a car. So that's, that's something we have to be careful with. Because sometimes, yet again, oh, we can go down the love, the emotional route, and just justify, oh, they go to church, they kind of talked about Jesus one time when they swore. Does that count? Maybe, you know, are they in the, on the right path? No. Um, <laughs> only because inside a church does not mean they're pursuing Christ or they're a Christ follower. It's not that you need to be perfect, but the hope is that when you connect with someone, they're at least conforming. They're in a process of becoming more like Christ. Meaning they're becoming more loving, more sacrificial. They're getting better, not worse. They're not just putting their best foot forward and then it's downhill from there once they've got the ring on your finger. No, no, we're hoping. If we're, this is the beauty about when you get someone who's, who's, who's a committed follower of Christ, they should get better. They should become more humble the Bible says we go from glory to glory. What does that really mean? We become more humble, and as we become more humble, we get more filled with God's love and more submitted to His ways, and therefore we're more functional than we were in the past. And I believe no matter what you're challenged by, no matter what you're in, God can use it to make you a better version of yourself if you see it through the filter of faith. So important. That's why we talk about prayer first. Because I'm going to talk about this next week now. And this is going to be a really good example, I feel, about why it's important to have the spirit, spiritual uh, foundation as we do life. And how if you, you have it the wrong way around, things topple, things fall. You might be going to church, you might be praying a little bit, but it's not foundational, so therefore it just can't work. We'll talk about that next week. Another potential scenario is that you're, div you're dating a cultural Christian. <laughs> so someone who's just traditionally, they just go to church. It's just what you do. But God's not really involved. God's not speaking to them. There's no real opportunity for God to do anything. It's just they're in and out of the pews and that's just it. There's no seeking God, developing gifts, trying to build the church. And so we've got to ask the question, is this a cultural Christian or is this a committed follower of Christ? Another thing is, if you're with this person and you're with him for a significant amount of time, maybe a few hours or a day, and they still haven't mentioned God, Jesus, church, <laughs> people talk about what they value most. So if all they're talking about is their nice new Toyota Supra or their uh, <laughs> Renault 5, not, you don't know what that is, do you? Turbo, come on, someone knows, but Stuart knows what I'm talking about. Renault 5 Turbo, or maybe D-Turbo, Fusio 306. Some of you had one of those with all the black smoke. If they're just talking about football, sports, anything but God, you're probably, it's probably likely that they're not really committed to Christ and they're not walking with God at that point in time. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 and 15, do not try to work together as equals with unbelievers, for it cannot be done. How can right and wrong be partners? How can light and darkness live together? How can Christ and the devil agree? What does, 
what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? So how can you build a marriage on the foundation of opposite beliefs? <laughs> it's actually impossible. And listen, it might sound a little harsh. We're not, this is what I do know, that some unbelievers are nicer than some Christians that I know. They're actually, <laughs> they're more gentle, they're more compassionate in some ways. So it's, this isn't a diss on unbelievers. It's just saying if you don't have the core beliefs at the beginning, down the road issues will arise. I'm not saying on the surface they're not nice, they're not gentle, they're not giving. I'm not saying they don't have certain good qualities. I'm just saying you can't build a foundation because your beliefs are key to your foundation. Some of you might say that God is limiting my choice. <laughs> He's limiting me, but actually God is loving you because God sees the big picture. He doesn't see just the short-term wins of your insecurity is intact now because you've got someone and you're not alone. He's seeing the big picture. I've heard so many stories of friends and friends of friends who have been in marriages and the foundations are definitely not aligned and it is a nightmare. Not the first year, a few years on when things develop, they don't conform into Christ-likeness. They go the opposite direction and it gets bad. It says in Amos 3 and 3, can two people walk together without agreeing on direction? Really simple, but really important. Some of you may be like, well, Phil, we're, we're getting on pretty good. You know, for the most part, we've got similarities, you know, good conversation. Well, here's another thing to think about. Your spiritual values are so important. They're foundational. Why? Because it will influence your kids if you have them. Your schedule, your attitude towards church, towards praying, towards God, your relationship, your money, your finances will be affected by it. Your generosity, will you serve in church or just kind of go? Foundation. Is it a priority to go to church or should we just go when we feel like it? Or just CEOs, Christmas and Easter only? <laughs> what do we watch? What do we fill our brains with? What do we read? What do our kids read? What friends do we have? Where do we hang out the weekends? What substances do we take? How much of it do we take? All those things will be affected by our foundation. What we come into agreement before we're married. What we stand for, what we're against. Pro-life, not pro-life. Our, our ideology around gender. Are we simplifying it God's way? Are we going to just go loose on that? This is all founded by what do we believe? And, and you can see how you could skip past that because of love and feelings and emotion. And then down the road, you're like, this is a disaster. It, it's felt good for a year or two, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a situation where this is not, we're walking in separate paths. That's why when we do the marriage course with couples, we get nitty and gritty. We ask the hard questions. Even like, who's taking the bins out? The hard questions, that's the hardest one. Whose responsibility is it? If we can make a decision prior, it's going to cut down 50% of the arguments. Can I get an amen? To anyone that knows what I'm talking about. Um, so a suggestion that might, might be for you is don't give them your heart if God doesn't have theirs. Don't give them your heart because giving them your heart is a decision. It's not just a feeling. Some people are like, oh, I just fell in love and I couldn't do anything about it. Yes, you could. You have full control. You have self-control. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can make calculated decisions. 
logical plans. Um, it says in Proverbs 27 and 12, sensible people will see trouble coming and avoid it. But an unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. Number two, those who love, sorry, those you love don't love who you're dating. <laughs> Their parents don't love who you're dating. Their mother doesn't love who you're dating. The dog doesn't even love the person you're dating. There's red flags everywhere. <laughs> I think this is one of those things, and sometimes actually when that doesn't work, it, it is trouble ahead because Christmas time and times where the family gets together, it's problematic in that. But also it's, it's the radar. It's that red flag radar. The antenna goes up. They realize, whoa, 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 I see some things that maybe you don't. This is especially valuable if the people that are around you that love you have a good spiritual foundation, are grounded as Christians. That's especially valuable, valuable when they have discernment. And so it says in Proverbs 27, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. See, maybe they're too controlling. Maybe they're pushing boundaries not respecting you. Maybe there's, there, there's things that other people see that you don't because you're in love. You have emotions that are so attached and you, you, there's a part of your mind or your, your gut knows there's something not right, but you just, let's just ignore that for the good feeling right now. Proverbs 12 and 15 says, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. God's designed us to be around others, with others, but not just hearing what we want to hear, hearing the truth. You know fine rightly, some of you maybe see some things in friends' lives, <clears throat> but you're afraid if you tell them, they'll, they'll stop speaking to you. And that's a dangerous place. I remember even from a church leadership point of view, I've realized the hard way probably that is so important that I have some people around me that disagree with me. Because I'm in a, just like Proverbs says, I'm in a place of danger if I have no one who can see my blind spots or at least say something. Hey, Phil, what are you doing? You're about to walk off a cliff. <laughs> Is it okay if I mention that <laughs> before you do? And if, I, if I'm unwise, I'll just shut those people down because I feel I don't like being corrected or, or, or exposed. That's silly. I'm gonna, it's going to lead me to destruction as well as probably some other people. And so, so important that we humble ourselves and how do we humble ourselves the best is we trust God. We realize that God is the ultimate authority anyhow. He's our ultimate guide. He's the one that ultimately loves us wholly, every part of us. And so we don't need, that gives us a little bit of leeway when someone gives us feedback that we're not completely distraught and destroyed because we've encouraged ourselves in the Lord. We're full. Number three, <clears throat> when you don't experience healthy conflict, this is really good. It's not about if you fight, it's more about how you fight. Watch this. Healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for victory. To be fair, I've probably done a few victory dances around the house a few times. Um, just reminds me, this was one time, Anna, I was out watering my lovely bush, trying to get those things up and going, and uh, Anna thought it'd be fun to splash me with water. This was last summer. And I just thought, that's it. 
victory is mine, saith the Lord. He didn't say that, but I said that. Um, and I pretended I didn't care. And at the moment in which Anna least expected it, I drowned her. <laughs> I didn't actually drown her, but she was drenched. <clears throat> I won. Problem is, I couldn't find any food. <laughs> and the doors were locked. So I won one battle, and she won the war. <laughs> so, and I've got to be careful right now as I speak, as I could win a battle and lose another war. But I guess what we've learned and we're learning to do is that, that fighting is about resolution. It's not about victory. When, we, when one wins, the other should win. Uh, and that's something that we obviously have to develop. The problem with that is sometimes we can think, oh, if I get married, this relationship will be fixed. Lies. Or, or we get the idea, if I have a baby or I get a puppy, our relationship will be sorted. And we kind of brush it under the rug. And so maybe some of you are saying, well, we never fight. Or we never have problems, or, or we always have these ideas like that. And I think if that's the case and you're not fighting at all, you're probably there's probably a conflict avoidance problem. Uh, and I think the, the goal should probably be to fight a reasonable amount of time in a controlled manner. Usually in a couple, I've noticed from talking to some people, is that when there's couples fighting, not always, but... One person likes to raise their voice and the other person's trying to calm the whole thing down because they, they don't even want to believe it's a reality. They don't like conflicts. They're like, calm down. Like, why are you shouting? And so, you know, we might... I'm, I'm probably more avoidant, if I'm honest. And Anna's got that Polish fire in her. <laughs> she's, she's Irish people, like... We would fight over the dinner table and just tell each other, call each other out, and we'd be like, we wouldn't talk about anything. Uh, and so put that together and it's a party. So we're learning off each other because to deal with the issue is right. We should deal with it. We should confront it. And, and to avoid it is wrong. But, but we need to do it in a way where there's a bit of both intertwined and we're doing it calmly, but we're confronting it well. Can I get an amen? Don't be bumping your neighbor. That's you. Look, look. <laughs> it says in James 1 and 19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Number four, you find it difficult to trust the one you're with. It says in 1 Corinthians 13 and 6, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So you might have questions like, well, who are you looking at or where are you going? Or if there's no trust, uh, it can become very controlling. And so there's two sides that maybe there is a trust issue and that can be developed and that can be changed and that can be shifted through communication. But there's another scenario that I've seen often as well. Uh, and there's trust issues and this person in particular is always saying, I just can't find the right guy or the right girl. I uh, can't trust any of them. And every time I'm with someone, they're the same person. It's, it's just the same. Pro Eventually, you've got to start asking the question, is it always them? 
why am I, and I had to look at some things in my behaviors as I was dating and trying to figure this whole thing out and eventually settled for being single because I thought everyone else had a problem but me. Can you believe that? There's no chance. The odds are way. Uh, and then I realized, wait, it maybe isn't always them. Maybe, maybe I'm the problem. Humble, lean. And as I started to look at it, well, why am I always in these situations? Why am I always attracting these kinds of people that I don't trust? We spoke about it in the first message about you don't usually attract what you want. You attract what you are. So as I started to process that, I'm like, whoa, is there something in me that's allowing me to drop my standards to attract certain types of people that I end up not content with? Or is there something in me that I need to fix because you usually don't see the world as it is. You see it as you are. That's your filter. And so maybe I need to get healed up. Maybe I need to do the freedom course. Maybe I need to talk to someone and allow them to challenge me honestly and decide I'm not going to get offended because often that's the only way to break free. It looks like challenge. It looks like change. It looks like relaying the foundations. Or you know what will happen? The foundations that you have led will then produce the emotions that you have and you'll be attracted. You'll fall in love with the wrong kinds of people. Because your, your base layer, your foundation, is built in such a way to form a certain kind of building that doesn't last. But if you deal with those trust issues that maybe you've been hurt in the past or something along the line wounded you, and this is the beauty, this is why it's so important that we, we align with Christ. The freedom course, you know what it's all about? This is what God says. This is not what people say. This is not what that situation that broke down says to about you or, or, or how you define that is about what, how God defines you and what that does is that gives you a new foundation that will attract God's kind of people into your life and you'll build God's kind of house which is built on solid ground and it's anchored for storms. It, it allows you to process things God's way and you come out free and you build something that lasts and you attract the right kinds of people because you've become the right kind of person. Can I get an amen? This is really important stuff. And lastly, the person you're dating is leading you away from Jesus instead of closer. Spiritually, when you get with this person, you're not as vibrant. You start to attend church less rather than more. You stop going to groups. It can sometimes become a bit obsessive. You, know, you get so obsessed with each other, God becomes last. And, and all of a sudden, the relationship is first. They're all symptoms and signs of something unhealthy that's going on, or disagreement, or dysfunction, that if it continues, will not end in a good place. Or maybe you're dating and there's compromise sexually. I'm not saying that's a game... I'm not saying that's an ender, but I am saying it needs addressed. Why? I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second. Because in one side, if you're dating someone, there should be sexual chemistry. Can we talk about this in church? Uh, I'm not sure. So, so I remember talking to a counselor, and that's what they said. They said, they're actually, if you're not attracted, what are we doing here? But on the other side... <laughs> 
if there's no boundaries and they're not respecting boundaries, that's a respect problem. That's an honor problem. And that can sometimes show up later on as that develops and you realize this person is just out to get what they want and not serve, doesn't have an attitude of service. And so it says, this is where the sexual thing becomes a problem. Because I've been so used, maybe when I was growing up, people just saying, don't do this and don't go here, but why? (laughs) You need to give me a good reason because I'm feeling some urges rising up here. (laughs) And I need some good bricks, a handbrake and the footbrake. Like I need both. Um, And it says this in Proverbs, this will not be on the screen. It says in Proverbs 5 and 19 that the sexual kind of love is intoxicating. (laughs) Do anyone know what it is to be intoxicated? Don't put your hand up. When you're intoxicated, if it's with drink, (laughs) people get better looking. (laughs) You get better looking. Your vision becomes blurred. You don't even know where you're at. I've said this before. Some of you have ended up in hedges. Because you're intoxicated, you're not functional. You might be having a good time. It might feel good for a moment. You see, that's what love, in in a way, as the proverb explains this, that sexual chemistry, that connection, it was designed to, to glue people together, but it was only the icing on the cake. It was never supposed to be a foundation. Why? Because in a way, that's, if it's not within the container of a spiritual foundation, a renewed mind, what happens is you're all over the show. You ignore conviction. You ignore Beliefs, you ignore the red flags. Instead of that confirming that solid base and gluing everything together and, put, and, and filling in all the holes, it, it causes a confusion and causes us to make decisions before it's time. It actually says in the Bible, don't unlock love before it's time. It's talking about that chemistry. Why? Because it's out of order, and when it's out of order, you don't see clearly uh, you might lower your standard, but it looks better than it is. You might ignore problems. You'll end up in hedges and ditches. The road's straight, but you're in a hedge. And fast forward, oh, I was just so in love at the wedding day. I was just so in love. We made all these decisions. We just spent 30 grand on the wedding day. It was so amazing. It was so. And then two years later, it's over. I've actually seen that. I've actually witnessed that. Why? Do, do I believe, in my opinion? Intoxication. Emotions were, f- what do they call that? The honeymoon period. That, that's, that's what's going on. And then when that fades away, I'm not in love anymore. What? What do we base our love on? A feeling? Just an emotion? Feelings come, feelings go. Why am I telling you this? So that we lay good foundations that will last. Can I get an Amen. That man's getting less here. Conviction must be heavy. (laughs) 
the Lord gave me the right word, didn't he? I felt this morning he said, challenge is the word for today. Um, so God wants you sober. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to get sober. <laughs> it's time to get a clear mind. It's time to build something that lasts. And that's why repentance is such a beautiful thing, because we're saying, listen, I'm going to relay a foundation here. I'm going to do things God's way, not because God's no fun, not because God's no, 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 because God's just like, hey, let's wait, let's put things in order. When we put things in order, guess what? They last. You are blessed. It doesn't just last through your lifetime, it lasts through generations. It's for your good. God loves you so much, he's not here to steal your fun. He's the, actually, the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's here to deliver everything that you need to overcome the hardest seasons of your life. And it's found in a spiritual foundation. It's found in spiritual truth. It's found in surrendering, submitting to His ways. And when you do that, you will find life, but it, you're, you're going to have to work on your patience. The Bible actually says if you want to inherit God's promises, it takes two things. It takes faith to see it before it happens, and patience. And so if you're not using faith and patience, you can be sure you're doing things your own way. And not in God's system, not in God's planning. And so maybe you're sitting there thinking, oh yeah, they're not really consistently pursuing Jesus. Or the ones that love me don't love them. Or we're not experiencing healthy conflict. Or the person I'm with is always leading me away from God, from church, from groups, from, from, from the Bible, from God's ways. Not really talking about it. Then the red flags are flying high. It's not at half mast. It's probably at full mast. Because a sensible person will see trouble coming and avoid it. But an unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. Actually, it says in Psalms 119 and 115, and this is a pretty harsh scripture, but sometimes in life you've got to be ruthless. It says, get out of my life, you evil-minded person or people, for I intend to obey the commands of my God. It's talking about someone who's conflicting, who's pulling someone down, who's putting someone or pointing someone in the wrong direction. That's not going to lead to life. It might feel good in the short term, but in the long term, it's a mess. And so we want to surrender to God's way. So you can't, marry the, you can't marry the right person if you marry the wrong person with the wrong foundation because you're, you're going in two separate directions. And eventually, you know, some of you are probably saying, I wish someone had told me this <laughs> a few years back. Well, hey, God can use your situation for good. The Bible promises that. Because listen, we all went through life with something that we didn't know and made mistakes unintentionally. And so listen, it says in Romans 8, I love the chapter of Romans, that God uses everything for, for good for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. So do not let condemnation come on you. This is not a condemning message. This is to help us move forward with our life, to recommit to coming under God's authority and God's way and then in the future, we will see God's benefits, the life 
they will pass on to the next generation. Listen, it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. I'm going to talk about a few green flags. So maybe a green flag would be a person that is pursuing Jesus. They're not perfect, but they're on a journey. And they're showing signs of pursuing Christ. Maybe number two, those that love you actually love this person, this girl or this guy. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> it's a good quality person you've got there. Don't mess it up. Number three, your conflict is reasonable. <laughs> you're working on it. You're getting better. It's not out of control. You're in process, trying to conform into Christ-likeness. Number four, trust is growing. This cr- trust can always be built. And trust is growing. It's on a journey. It's moving forward. But, but your foundation is to trust God first. And then you begin to learn to trust others. Letting God heal your heart. Number five, um, you believe this could be a God-honoring covenant that no, no man, no woman can separate, as it says in the Bible. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.